Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Sean Larson. Now, Sean is a youper. And for those that don't know, that means he's from Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Honestly, it shouldn't even be part of Michigan. I think there's a lot of people who would agree with me on that. And it, I, I think it should be part of Wisconsin. It's more connected to Wisconsin. It's more similar to Wisconsin. And I'm not going to lie. I would love to have the UP as part of Wisconsin's hunting and fishing license. It's just a wild place. I mean, it's as close to Canada as you can get. Just the terrain, the features, the wildlife, it's a pretty sweet spot. And I like talking to people who grew up in that Great Lakes region because not exclusively to that part of the country, but there's a lot of people who grew up the same way that I did. You go out for the gun season, get all dressed in blaze orange, go sit on a five-gallon bucket or a tree stump or a down tree, and you just hope to see something. You want a deer to come through. You want it to have antlers. You want it to have really big antlers. But most of the time, you're shooting a year-and-a-half-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old buck if you're lucky enough to get an opportunity at that. Now, I will say things have changed quite a bit in the last few years, and in talking with Sean... I've seen how things have changed for him. So I can't wait to dive into this, figure out what he's up to in the outdoor space. It's going to be a great episode. So let's jump in. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Sean Larson. Sean, thanks for hopping on with me, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself uh, before we get started with the conversation? Hey, absolutely. Uh, like you said, my name is Sean Larson, uh, 30 years old. I live uh, right up in the middle of the UP, middle of nowhere. Um, just got married. Actually, just celebrated our one-year anniversary last month. Nice. Congrats, got, uh, man. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Got a two-year-old son. Just turned two March 11th. And I got one uh, a little girl due middle of August. Dang. Yeah, yeah that's... It's been, uh, it's been very busy. Number two is always a big change for people. Oh, do you, how many do, uh, do you guys got? We've got two. Yeah, we just, our oh, yeah. daughter just turned five. Our son is six. So oh, okay. he, he was actually born at the end of August, which is the perfect time. You picked a great time. I mean, maybe not pregnancy wise and delivery, like the heat of the summer, but oh, yeah, as far as miserable. outdoors go, you get that, you get them all out of the way right before season starts. Oh yeah. That's what I was thinking. Plus, you know, if I do things right, my little girl every year for her birthday, she'd be like, let's go out West daddy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
Perfect. Yeah. The wife yeah. can't really say no to that when the kid's asking. Well, exactly. Man, that's perfect. Uh, so up in the UP, I mean, we talked just briefly before the show. There's a yep. little bit of everything up there. You, I mean, the wildlife is abundant. You guys have, people oh, don't absolutely. understand really what, well, like Northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan all have, I mean, moose and elk and wolves and bear, whitetail, waterfowl, uh, quail, grouse, yeah. pheasant. I mean, everything. Yeah, the list goes on. Yeah. What did you What did you grow up hunting? I uh, grew up, I actually, uh, my whole family hunted, obviously, being from the UP. Yeah. Um, when I moved down to Wisconsin, my stepfather uh, wasn't really a huge hunter. So growing up until I was probably about 14, it was just kind of something I listened to my family do. Yeah. And then finally, I was like, you know, this is something I want to do. So I just kind of started watching shows, reading books you know, listening to them just every year, kind of dabbling in it more and more. Um, so at, at first it was just basically just whitetail, you know? Yeah. Um, and up in the UP for the most part is just praying to see two and a half year old eight pointers, you know, Dang. pretty much as far wide across the UP as you get. That's what people are hoping to get. Um, so that's what I raised on, you know, spikes, forks, seven pointers. And then finally, Probably around the age 19, actually, I got an invite from a, a show, Hardcore Pursuit, on the Sportsman channel yeah. to start filming for them. They just, I became, they have an archery shop about 45 minutes west of me. So I kind of became friends with them. And uh, I started doing like my own photography, videography, just posting on Facebook. And I was just at work one day when I was a service manager at a Ford dealership. And the guy sent me a message being like, hey, our cameraman backed out. You able to go to Iowa in like four days? Yeah, so I ran up to my boss, and I was like, here's the deal. A professional show on TV just asked if I could go film. How many vacation days do I got? He's like, oh, you got like seven days left. I said, all right, taking them all next week, going to Iowa. So then <laughs> with them, you know, I started dabbling in like the mule deer, really understanding that bucks get big. Yeah. And that where I live is just, you know, whether it's genetics or, you know, nutrients, minerals in the soil. At that point, I didn't understand. I was like, "Why? Like, why are the bucks here so small?" No, I'm young, just getting into it. So I, then, then I just really started going crazy. You know, up here, not seeing a hundred inch deer to go into Iowa, where we're past a hundred and fifty inch bucks. I was <laughs> mind blown. You're probably like just hating the guy shooting. You're like, dude, why? Why would you pass that up? Yeah, it was like two hours into our first sit, and like a three and a half year old, hundred and forty inch buck came by. He's like, "We ain't shooting that." I was like, "Are you effing nuts, <laughs> dude?" That was my whole life growing up, man. Watching TV shows, and I'm like, "These guys are idiots." I I lost respect for so many of those guys because same thing. Growing up in Central Wisconsin, don't get me wrong, there's big deer, and there have been people that have been hunting big deer there for a long time, but yeah. my family was not those people. I mean, it's great if you shoot a buck. That's awesome. But it's yeah. like, you, you go out there, and if a deer comes by and gives you a shot, you take it. Sometimes, even if it doesn't give you a shot, you take it. I mean, like, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't any form of deer management. The deer management was just oh, shoot as many as you could. Yeah, fill the freezer. Yeah. Have you seen that change up there, uh, like up north, as far as the caliber or the quantity of deer that you've been seeing? You know, just in the last probably two or three years, um, I don't know if it's just the 
just the viral hunting thing where it's like this new age group is coming up where that's becoming the popular thing now is to, you know, how many inches is it? How many inches is it? I think that's helping where it's just, you know, the younger generation is all wanting to shoot big bucks, you know, try to get that viral buck, try to get it on film. Um, So just, yeah, in the last probably two or three years up here, you know, even just, and I run lots of trail cameras. It just seems like you're seeing more big bucks. Yeah. Which is great. I'm not complaining. It's, I mean, it's pretty incredible what can change in a shorter amount of time if you get people on the same page or if there's regulations that change, you know, yeah, absolutely. you go from seeing two and a half year old deer to, Hey, we are going to put an antler restriction on for the next two years. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden people are shooting instead of hundred inch bucks. There's a ton of people shooting 140 inch bucks, 150 inch bucks, all because you just let them grow two more years. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. What do you guys, what, what is kind of your management practice where you hunt? Do you have a, do you have a set age class, a set antler size, uh, or what are you going off of? Where I am. So I'm in Menominee County now, which is like the main farmland of the UP. It's right on the border of Wisconsin. Yep. Um, so even just moved, I moved out here with my wife, uh, two years ago now. And just the difference between here and 45 minutes East is hoping for probably not ever seeing a hundred inch buck on camera Yeah, out here last year. I think I had eight or nine over a hundred inches. Dang. Got my hundred and he scored 131, which is unheard of in the UP. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so out here now it's, it's it's a whole different game, you know, and out here now it's, I'm passing up two and a half year olds that I would have dreamed of shooting five years ago. Yeah. Dang, that's that's awesome to hear. I mean, that short of a distance that you can go from, I'm assuming where you were at was more thick timber, like dark timber. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's just hard to hunt them in anyways, but then also you're not they're not getting the nutrients like you mentioned earlier that they're going to get on farmland. Mm-hmm. Like there's just there's no substitute for a good farmland. Um there is really as, as food goes. No, it just it, it makes bigger bucks. Yeah, you know that's a scientific proven there. Yeah, are you guys? Do you guys bait up there, or is that legal? Uh most of the UP it is where I'm located. Um, there's a small section where you can't. You know, okay. we had one doe that had CWD like eight years ago. So <laughs> they they shut it down in a hurry, man. It's tough to keep up with the baiting regulations. Like it seems like every single year. They they change things how they are at least in Wisconsin they did. It'd oh, Wisconsin's like, really wild to follow. It's like no baiting whatsoever. You can have as much bait out as you want. Okay, yeah. now you can only put one gallon out per day, and they have to be at least a hundred yards apart. And I'm like, what are you guys like? I mean, you're only doing a one year study on each of these, obviously, because you're changing it every year. Yeah. How are you getting the results and the the information that you want out of that? Yeah, I, just, I, don't, I don't know if it's the DNR praying where something does arise that they can find a violation somewhere. Or... Yeah, it, it's funny, too, to watch hunters, how quickly they get creative in the loopholes. I remember, uh, I don't remember where it was, but there was a spot where they said you can't be within sight of it. Like you can't be hunting within sight of your bait pile. And so what people were yeah. doing, they'd put a hay bale out, just a little square bale, and then put the bait on the backside of this 
on the square bill. So they couldn't technically see it. I can't see it. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden they had to change the the verbiage to like within reasonable known distance of your bait pile or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. dude, it's just it's funny, man. Rednecks will find a way to get away with anything. They really will. Well, that's why we're rednecks. Yeah, exactly. Redneck engineering, man. It gets the job done. That's right. So you've been hunting up there. You've been seeing more bucks. Uh, how did how did this past season go for you? Well, well like I said, I managed uh sold biggest buck in my lifetime. You know, I've I've been blessed to go hunt some other states and whatnot, but haven't been able to pull a trigger on a what I consider a shooter for wherever obviously it changes whatever area you're hunting, you know, what you consider a shooter. Um, but yeah, up here scored, uh, 131, biggest buck of my life, state land. Um, and I got that opening day, opening night of archery season. Jeez. Yeah. That's really unheard of. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it was so crazy too. Cause, um, that Friday, that whole weekend actually was one of my best friend's bachelor parties. And it was like four hours west of here, uh, northern northern Wisconsin. So uh, I went out there Friday night, left work, drove out there. And they're like, well, what's your plan? I was like, dude, I got to head back home in the morning. I got this buck I got to go after. And my wife the whole time, she's like, are you really like, are you thinking about staying out there all weekend? I was like, I don't know. You know, it's my buddy's bachelor party. So finally, she finally she's like, Sean, you got to come home and hunt that buck. Thank That's a good God wife. she twisted my <laughs> arm. <laughs> yeah, so I woke up in the morning, you know, and I'm getting old compared to some of them guys. So, you know, a bachelor party, it was like midnight. I was like, guys, I got to go to bed. I got to wake up early. So, yeah, drove back in the morning, got home, jumped in the shower, got all sent free, threw my camo on, gave the wife a kiss, good old good luck, you know, ran out to the woods and, uh, Actually, one of my buddies hunts as a crow flies, probably about a 60 maybe from where I was at. Yeah. And he had some pictures of this buck. So right away, I knew one other buddy, you know, would have been just as pumped if he shot it, you know, would have been out there having a couple of beers with him, helping him drag it. On my way out there, ran into two older gentlemen that were in their vehicles, I think probably back there to see who else was hunting back there. One guy stopped me. He shot up. Like 120 inch eight that morning, so he was just all bah on, you know, seeing what was going on. And both of them guys were like, "Yeah, there's a big nasty ten running around back here." So in my head, now I'm heading out to hunt this buck, and I'm like, "Man, I know, I know for sure three other guys that are trying to get this buck." <laughs> right away, you're just kind of a kick in the sack, you know. Dang. But yeah. So yeah. So last year, I so I shot that buck. Had some opportunities at other bucks, just, you know, it's it's hard to go back to a 100-inch buck after cracking a 130 or first sit. Yeah. So I shot, I don't know, like three does after that, just to fill the freezer, get some more meat. Wife loves backstrap, so got to keep that going. <laughs> are you are you guys a one-buck area up there, or can you shoot two. multiple? Two? You got two bucks, yeah. Oh, sweet. That's... Yeah. There's nothing like going from hunting one deer to knowing that you can still fill another buck tag. It like it oh, for some great. reason it just takes all the pressure off. It's like, dude, if a buck comes in and I get excited about it and it's not the, my target buck or one of my target bucks, I can still shoot it 
and still go after these other bucks. Oh, absolutely. It, how, how does your breakdown work? Is it just like any time during archery season you can shoot two bucks or is there like a split? Like you can only shoot one, you know, in the first two weeks and then you have to wait. No, until it is. It's, it's any time. Oh, man. Yeah. You, just, you can either get a single tag, which has no point restrictions. And then, I mean, that's what a lot of like non-residents do. Yeah. Just because then they can come up, shoot whatever they want. Or you can do the combo, which is a two bucks. And then one's got to be three plus on a side. And then the other tag is four plus on a side. That, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like once you're going up there to take multiple deer, now there's an antler restriction. I think that's mm-hmm. brilliant. But I love the idea that you can shoot two bucks in the same day. I mean, obviously that's probably not going to happen for most people, but to have like an opportunity to shoot two deer that quick here we can't do that so you can shoot uh you can shoot one buck in the early archery season so that's basically the start of archery season september 15th up until like the second week of november because that's when rifle season is so you can fill one of your tags there you cannot fill both during that time frame you have to wait until rifle season to shoot your second buck or second archery, late archery season. If you don't shoot a buck early, you can shoot two bucks in the late season, but you just can't do it all in the early season, which is the best time. I mean, I've had luck in late season, but early season around here has been killer. I mean, I know me and my buddies, we've been killing bucks in September and October here. And so do you do do, uh, do you get much chance at like velvet bucks? You know, we don't really uh the bucks shed fairly early here i think i've seen it in like late august they're in velvet my buddy shot one that i thought if i was like man if we catch up with this deer it's gonna still be in velvet but he shot it when was that i think it was sometime in i think it was early september like the first or no it would have been like the third week in september he shot it and it had already shed so okay we don't. The only buck I've ever killed in velvet was in Alaska, and it was a blacktail. And talk about Not really. Listen, you're talking about hoping to see deer that are a hundred inches growing up. Up there, I talked to some of the locals. I said, "Hey, can you give me some pointers? Like, what should I be going after? What's a good target deer?" Uh-huh. And they're like, "Anything bigger than a spike is a good deer." And I'm like, "Really?" really? And they're like, "Yeah," because I was hunting the road system, so it's like, yeah, an early tag lots of deer but lots of young deer and so we i kid you not when we woke up and got out of our tent my wife and i that morning we probably saw 70 deer from our tent like every direction you look there's deer everywhere and they're almost all spikes just like spikes and does that's all we saw and then the very first deer that we saw that was a fork is the one that I shot. We saw it come up and over the hill and watching spikes all morning. You see a fork, you see more than two points and you're just like, oh, it's a monster. I mean, it looked like Bambi's dad coming up over the mountain and then sure enough, it comes down and I shoot it. And I mean, it's just a tiny little basket rack fork and I was so pumped. But yeah, that's the only deer I've ever shot in velvet. Man, I've, I've heard those hunts up there. I got a few buddies that have been up there. That literally almost gave up whitetail hunting just to keep going back up there after the blacktail. It's one, the meat's really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the meat. 
the country that you're hunting is unbelievable. And with blacktail in Alaska, you can hunt them so many different ways. Like where we went, it was just public land. You're hiking up a trail in legit grizzly country. I mean, grizzlies everywhere. And most of the country that you're hiking in, the covers over your head. So, I mean, you're walking in a shoulder wide path with eight foot bushes on each side of you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's pretty nerve wracking until you get up above that and up above that line where everything's now like waist high, knee high type of deal. Okay. But I mean, we could see the ocean from where we were hunting, like where, where I was butchering my deer. I'm looking out and you can just see the ocean, you know, there's whales and seals and sharks and just the purposes and all kinds of stuff down there. And it's just a wild, wild place. And then there's people who they'll shoot blacktail from a boat. They'll be on the ocean and the blacktails will come down and eat sea kelp or bull kelp off of the coast. And you're literally just cruising around on a boat and you'll kill the engine and it'll just be out there eating. And I mean, they're shooting them with their bows. And depending on the season and the area, you can get three bucks. And so they're like shooting one, going and getting it, throwing it in the boat. They keep cruising along the coast. They shoot another one. I mean, it's it's wild. Man, imagine if you could see some guys in Wisconsin loading up a 30-pack in their canoe and hitting a river. <laughs> that would be in- – there's a lot of people actually who have been doing kayak and canoe hunting. Like they access public land that most people don't because they're using a canoe or a kayak. Oh, it's a great way to do it. It's brilliant. There's a, there's a, yeah, people that don't want to put the work in. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I want to do it so bad. I've I've got a couple of public land places here that I really want to do it. And every year there's something that comes up where I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna do it. Oh, like same, this year, same. you see guys like Sam Ubel and like mm-hmm. Whitefield General and all them guys having great success doing that. And the same thing. Yeah, it's like I always want to see that piece of chunk and just going on a canoe or whatever, get that badass picture afterwards. Oh yeah. Well, and in the UP, I mean, you guys have so much water up there. And I like, I like the big marshy areas, especially along the Mississippi. Like you get into central Wisconsin on the West side of the state, there are places there that like, you'd never be able to access on foot, but if Mm. you took a canoe back in there or a raft, like you just carry a raft with you and you just get across this little channel to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, you could probably get into some swamp donkeys where nobody else has ever been. Oh, Absolutely. Man, I, I'm just so pumped for hunting season. Like, turkey season's coming up. I'm excited about it. But, like, big game season's where it's at for me. Oh, yeah, Joe. I think it was, like, four days ago, me and my son, and one of his favorite words is buck, you know. Yeah. We're just laying on the couch and turned on YouTube, and I think Seek One was, like, the first video that popped up. So we're watching Roy hunting on right, right away. I was like, oh, man, it's just too early to start get, getting this itch going. Right away, I was like, oh, I'm ready for hunting season. Yeah, it's this is that lull, man, where it's difficult. I mean, do you apply for other states or are you are you primarily hunting Michigan lately? For the last uh since we started dabbling in the babies, you know, I uh I put the out of states on hold for a little bit. Yeah. But I've got I've got all my points sitting for Iowa. So first change I get, I'm gonna be running down there. Um Wyoming, I went out there. Two years ago, I was filming the show, and I just got the opportunity to get an over-the-counter doe tag. 
spotting and stalked that first time ever doing that, which is a blast. Yeah. So I'm itching to go back out there. So yeah, I mean, as soon as I get the opportunity, like I said, it's it's nothing to brag about up here. So yeah, it'll go where it's a little bit easier. Well, and you mentioned that you're on state land. Is that all the land you hunt up there, or do you have any public access, or I mean, private access? I got we got a definitely some private opportunities, but it's compared to what I can find on state land here. And I don't know what the deal is, but like at least around me, there is not much for archery hunters. Mm-hmm. I got some state land what, five miles east of my house where it's non-motorized, which I think helps quite a bit. Yeah. But the last three years I've been back there. I haven't even seen another bow hunter or signs of one during archery season. Dang, we're going to keep this uh, podcast pretty quiet then. I'm not going to promote it so it stays that way for you. <laughs> right? People are like, wait a minute. 130-inch deer, no pressure, non-motorized transportation? Like, I'm in. Oh, it's it's damn near untouched. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Have you... What's it been like up there with wolves? I know that northern Wisconsin got hit pretty hard. Have you noticed oh. a lot of wolf activity up there? Uh, around me, it's starting to get bad. But if you go about an hour north or even further north, it's, I mean, they're wiping out herds. Dang. And the D, the, I don't know, the DNR just seems to not care. Um, there's so many crooked things, I believe, going up with the DNR up here where they just seem to be all about money and either that or don't really know much about conservation. I don't know what the deal is, but I mean, I don't know. Do you guys have like mountain lions? Any mountain lions down there? Yeah, we do. Not a ton. So, yeah, I mean, not they're they're not prevalent in the area that I'm at, but they are. There are sightings here and there. Well, I think I lost you there for a second. Oh yeah, we're back. Do you uh, with the wolves? It's it's very interesting because. Anytime there's wolves on the landscape in the lower 48, you know, hunters just hate it, it seems like. And I get that. But you would think as far as a conservation agency or department goes, they would also hate it. Because like Michigan, Wisconsin, most of the Midwest, the number one contributor to like the conservation department, their number one source of income has to be deer tags and sales. It's got to be. And so anytime there's something that's going to impact that, that's going to directly affect them and their budget, you would think. Mm-hmm. You would think. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. I, I don't know why so many places are wanting higher wolf populations. I just don't understand it. Yeah, and I've spent hours and read hours where the studies and what the DNR puts out about it, and I just can't come to a good conclusion on why that is yeah yeah it's i feel like it's going to be a problem that continues i would hope that state agencies and conservation departments get a good grasp on it and figure out a management plan for the wolves because obviously having wolves on the landscape isn't the worst thing in the world but they have to be managed it's when there's no management plans for the wolves like there are for every other wildlife species that things get out of hand and it will balance out over time. But in the next 10 years, 
it's going to be to the detriment of whitetail hunters, of elk hunters, of moose hunters, of anything that those things prey on. And we don't want Even it to just, be, none of us want yeah. 10 years of drought when it comes to deer hunting. No, it's a long time. Even just, I think it was like three or four days ago up here, about an hour, hour and a half west of me. DNR even confirmed it. Killed the guy's dog. Right next to his house. Jeez. And I'm curious why, why there's a hesitancy to identify wolves or identify mountain lions. Because you hear about, it's not just exclusive to the Great Lakes region. It's all over the country. When somebody's animal dies because of a predator, they're yeah. very slow to confirm yeah, that was a grizzly. Yeah, that was a mountain lion. Yeah, that was a wolf. And I I don't get it. You know, like people get trail camera pictures. They've got the prints in the snow. Some some people will just straight out shoot them if they see them. And it's uh-huh. like, why why is there a hesitation to to say like, yes, this is a wolf? I hear stories yeah, from not- people all the time about it. And I just I can't wrap my mind around why, like to what benefit what's the benefit? Maybe it's the public look outlook on it. Maybe it's like PR stuff that they're like, oh, we just don't want people freaking out about wolves. But it's like anybody yeah. you talk to already knows they're there. Especially because, I mean, for the most part, wherever these larger populations are, the people that are surrounding that, surrounding that area are most likely outdoorsmen. Yeah. So they're, they're either going to handle them themselves. Well, the last thing they're going to do is freak out about it. You know, to, to that maximum of scale to where the DNR or the government would have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, same thing up here, though. If they confirm a mountain lion, say on a trail camera or tracks or kill some guy's livestock, they say, yeah, it was a mountain lion, but that was the same one that was caught on the trail camera three hours east of here yesterday. Now, it had to be the same mountain lion. It's like, come on. All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce the new age of accessing private property for hunting and fishing with Infinite Outdoors. I joined the Infinite Outdoors crew on a duck hunt in Colorado this fall, and the experience was unmatched. We were able to book the property right on their app, get directions to the blind, and had the whole place to ourselves, all for a super reasonable price. Infinite Outdoors has developed a unique way to combine conservation, technology, and private land access all through their U.S. built app and website. By working closely with landowners and on-staff biologists, they aim to bring you the best parts of accessing private land at the touch of a finger. They provide adventures for big game, turkeys, waterfowl, fly fishing, upland birds, small game, predators, and more. As yearly leases get more expensive and secluded public land gets harder to find, I believe this is the way of the future. To check it out for yourself, download the Infinite Outdoors app or visit infiniteoutdoorsusa.com and use code NOMADIC15 for 15% off your annual membership of $39.99. Yeah, how, how do you confirm that? Like, unless there's a very <laughs> distinct marking on it or you've got it collared or GPS transmitter, like, there's no way you can just be like, that's the same one. They're so yeah, we're elusive. not idiots. Yeah, they're so smart and so elusive. And yeah, they might have a huge home range, 
But to just be like, that's the same one doesn't make sense to me. And I saw a video, I think it was on Facebook years ago, where this guy, it was either in the UP or it was in northern Wisconsin. And he had a video of like 13 wolves in his backyard. I mean, very clear. When you watch the video, you can see that they're wolves. And I remember... (laughs) He was, he was commenting on it because everyone's like, call the DNR. I'd shoot those things if they were in my backyard, this and that. And he's like, I called the DNR and I sent them the video and they said that they were coyotes or coyote wolf hybrids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I'm no biologist, but you can very clearly tell the difference between a coyote and a wolf. And these were wolves. And I'm like, yeah, why, yeah, would, that's they, why very would they even hesitate? Why would they hesitate to be like, hey, yeah, you've got wolves. We're going to keep an eye on it. Obviously, protect your animals, like your pets, your livestock, whatever. Yeah. Instead of just be like, no, those aren't. If I was a guy, I would have been like, oh, they're coyotes. Sweet. Well, I've got a small game tag. (laughs) You show up (laughs) to the the DNR with 13 of them. We're good to go. These are coyotes. You already said you identified them. Yeah. You you said it yourself. Yep. Oh man, yeah. You, so, so I'm a uh, train conductor for CN Railroad. Yeah, and uh, I think it was probably two months ago. I was up uh, Ishpeming, probably about two hours north of me, and we we're just sitting in the engine of the train, you know, going down the tracks. And probably 300 yards ahead of us, we see. I mean, it's far away, so I was like, "Is that a coyote or a wolf?" You know, just stops right in the middle of the tracks and staring at our train coming towards it. And it's just standing there as we're getting closer. And finally, we get probably 100 yards away from it. And I was like, oh, that's a wolf. And then all of a sudden, and if you would have blinked, you'd have missed it. All of a sudden, I think it was like seven or eight wolves just fly right behind it, right across the tracks. We're like, oh, you know, yeah. in a blink of an eye, you'd have missed all of them. Just flew right across the tracks. It was insane. Jeez, man. that I would imagine you see quite a bit of wildlife. I think like train train incidents with wildlife that that seems like it would oh. be just a just a buffet of roadkill for wolves and winter is the worst too because all the deer go walking right down the middle of the track because there's the least amount of snow so they use that as traveling pass yeah oh man it's it's, it's hard being like an avid outdoorsman and conservationist when you're just <laughs> plowing them down with trains <laughs> i oh, mean how terrible. often like, how often are you hitting animals with the train? Is it like all the time? Oh yeah, if, if you're on a, if you're on a certain job where it's like you're traveling during those prime hours, you're you're hitting deer every time. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, how fast are you going when you hit them? Anywhere from twenty to forty-five. Oh my! Well, you know, you're smacking them with six hundred thousand tons. You know. That is, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why that's so funny to me like just thinking being in a train i've heard the stories and i don't know if you can attest to this if you've had any oh, we've had guys cows bear moose i've heard that it, i've heard this and i have regurgitated it to so many people that moose when they're in the rut they're just not scared of anything like a bull moose and i've heard that they will charge trains like they'll just head down like oh time to fight and just I, I haven't seen it personally, but I can confirm that that does happen. Okay, good. I'm glad I haven't been lying to people this whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll, I'll make you not a liar this time. Yeah, that's 
That's just wild. Yeah. Train yeah, battle. I need to start. I need to dive into this. I need to see how many like train. Do you guys report each one? Do you have to like? No. Oh, you don't. Oh, so there's there's no. not going to be any accurate data on it. Like this is how many animals die to train incidents every year. No, I, I mean unless there's some secret agency or whatever that goes down tracks and comes to dead deer laying next to them, or if they can even find the deer after. But yeah, then we don't report that. I wanna, I wanna just cruise down the tracks and pick up deadheads, man. Just like, well, if there's anything left, you might be picking up bone fragments from the antlers. But uh, it'd be, it'd be kind of crazy to just do like a cross country trip on train tracks. Obviously, not on a train, otherwise you wouldn't be able to pick them up. But to just see what kind of animals—moose, elk, deer, mule deer, antelope—are getting hit, and I bet oh, you, you could collect good, some like- pretty sweet stuff. Absolutely. You get into like a high deer population area and walk down the tracks. I guarantee you find dead heads everywhere. I'm going to modify my four wheeler, get like, I don't know what the technical term is. Basically those metal wheels that would connect to the tracks and just cruise on my four wheeler. That way I could bail off if a train comes, but just roll down the tracks all the way across Wisconsin, upper Michigan. It'd be fun. That's for sure. Yeah. Man, what's the weirdest thing you've seen while being on the train? Oh. Nothing really. I mean, there's some, like, up here, especially. You get in, like, the middle of nowhere, and you see some people, like, on the side of the tracks. Or, like, there was one guy on, a, on his four-wheeler stuck. Oh, But no. he had, uh, like, one of those little, like, wagons for, like, almost like a, like you'd pull your kid in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He had one of those just full of like garbage bags. And we're like, and you can tell up here if someone's on something or not, you know. He's probably a pot farmer. Oh, so there's something something weird going on. And we came back after we dropped our cars off. We came back and there was like in the middle of nowhere, there was like a 96 Impala now pulled up like on the rocks next to the tracks. We're like, what in the world? Dude, The once you get out, like, honestly, I'm more worried about people out in the middle of nowhere than I am about animals. Like, I know how to I handle like, hills animals. Have stuff. Yeah, when you, get, when you get out there, like, when you find those people that are just separated from civilization, Dude, there's some they weird always people. get weird. Every oh, time. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing normal about them. Yeah. Well, uh, back to let's let's jump back to Whitetail for a second because I can yeah, go we down getting, this we rabbit hole. Off there. <laughs> we I could go down Start that rabbit hole all day long. Um, what? So you shot you shot that big 130 plus inch deer. Are the other deer Damn, that you that saw? Was, uh, are that? they all still alive? Or did the other bucks make it through season that you had on camera? Oh, as far as I know, I had them. So I pulled my camera out of there end of December. Which I mean, that's just pretty much late archery at that point. Yeah. And I saw all of them. Um, the ones that I knew would, would really jump up going into their three and a half year old stage. Actually, that hundred thirty inch I shot, almost positive. I had his, so it'd been a two and a half year old. One of his offspring, almost identical rack, just maybe at maybe right around a hundred. 510 inches 
identical rack. So I'm really hoping to see him coming this year. Because I know he's probably going to make that same jump this one did and probably be in that 130, 140 class. So yeah. I'm excited to hopefully hopefully he made her through the winter. and Which he showed. We didn't really have too much of a harsh winter up here this year. That's good. I know I know most of the west western states had nasty winters. I think there's going to be a lot of winter kill on elk and mule deer this year. But I would imagine that the deer up in Wisconsin, in northern Michigan, in northern Minnesota, like the winters have, can get harsh in a hurry, but they're just built to last. I mean, oh, yeah. I just feel like deer are so used to those frigid winters up there. They, they got to have some kind of, I don't know if it'd be like evolution type thing where they're, they're just more prone to adapt to the harsh winters, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, you'd sure imagine that the deer up here would survive a winter better than a white tail out of say Alabama would, you know, you throw yeah. one of them up here. I don't think it's going to do very good. No, but it's weird to see how quick, like the, the variety of landscapes that they can survive in. I mean, like whitetail in Florida, where you're talking 99% humidity and 110 degrees and just yeah. the nastiest conditions. Like, I would hate to hunt in that. I'd much rather hunt like negative 15 than that kind of weather. But, I mean, you just see the extremes that they can survive in, and they've got to be one of the most hardy animals in North America, as far as big game goes, at least. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to hunt all different species of whitetail or like all the subspecies all over the country. But there's something about those big northern deer. People don't people That's don't it. understand just how big even their bodies are. Not even thinking about the racks, like the body size of a northern whitetail. A lot of people can't wrap their heads around it, especially when they come from the southern states. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then there's us who are like, look at like the Saskatoon bucks. Where it's like, what's a small buck up there, two hundred forty pounds? Yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of sweating, even like dragging deer. Thank God for this one. I mean, because this was a big buck up here. Yeah, and I was. I didn't get into the story yet, but I was down in a draw. I was probably 50, 60 yards down. Luckily, I got a my friend that one I was staying with hunt near hunts near me. He's built like a tank, so I called him over and he helped me drag it out of there. Yeah, break down that story for me. I want to hear how this goes. Because, I mean, first night, that's a big deal. And, oh, yeah. But a lot of people do say your first sit's your best sit. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. So uh, the first picture I got, so I went out and I found this spot probably early September. You know, it was just one of those times where I, I wasn't seeing what I wanted in some other spots. So I went venturing some new state land. And crawled down this, and I'm like crawling under pine trees, and I'm like, somebody else would have to be effing insane to come hunt this spot, you know. But I'm that guy, yeah. So finally, I get down there, and I, I come down a, it's down like a hardwood ridge, and I find right where that connects on the bottom to Cedar Swamp. And there's deer runways everywhere. So, right, you know that feeling when you're like, oh, this is a honey hole. You're on the X. Yeah. So, I throw a camera up and I get home and I'm just all jazzed up. You know, I'm bebopping around the house, yelling at my wife. 
So you got to see this. There's got to be monster bucks down here. So, you know, you wait like a week, week and a half. I go back out, check the camera. And it's like, I got 900 pictures of gray squirrels and red squirrels and a doe on a fawn. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) You know, heart just sank. So I was like, all right, baby, I'm going to leave it out there for another week. Check it again. If nothing there, then I'll go and I guess try to find another spot. So about a week goes by, I run back out there, pull my camera and uh, come home. And it was like a Saturday morning or something or Saturday evening. Crack a beer, throw the SD card in the laptop. And my wife, oh, it must have been midday because my wife was napping. So she's in the bedroom sleeping and I'm, you know, flipping through, hitting the button, flipping through the pictures. And all of a sudden this buck shows up and I start just screaming. <laughs> she flies out of the bedroom. What the hell's going on? You know, thinking the house is on fire. And I'm like, big buck, big buck. <laughs> just going nuts, you know. So right away, you know, and I'm just scrolling through the rest of the pictures. I was like, oh, man, this is the biggest. So, yeah, the biggest buck I've even, ever even had on camera. Out of 12 years hunting up here, biggest buck I've ever even had on camera. So right away, I was like, I got to get this buck. And I just started obsessing over it. You know, I'm going out there and I'm just sitting in different spots for hours on end with wind checkers, watching how the wind bounces off the ridges. I'm watching thermals going out there in the mornings during big temperature changes. Just like, what can I do? To like give myself the best odds at shooting this buck. Yeah. And luckily, so through through the guys from Hardcore Pursuit and some other people that have been blessed to meet, like through the outdoors industry. Um, I've been around some smart dudes, you know, some big buck killers that really have like shared their knowledge. So I knew some of the like different tactics and whatnot to increase my odds, we'll say. So right, I'm just obsessing, you know. I turned what was probably a five minute walk from my vehicle into like a 50 minute walk to get out there, you know, depending on wind directions, my approaches. Yeah. So like I said, head out that Friday, buddy's bachelor party, get back Saturday, shower, jump in the camel, head out there, run into those guys. So right away, you know, just a little down won't be like, and this buck, I had lots of pictures of. I was like, this buck's going to die this year. He's not. Smart. Yeah. Was so, it all on the same camera? Yeah. Dang. So yeah, you know, like, line, he's, yeah. he's here all the time. Yeah. And like more daylight pictures than you would imagine a buck of that caliber would present. Yeah. So right away, I was like, if I don't shoot this buck tonight, now somebody else is gonna probably shoot him in the morning, you yeah. know. Unless by some chance I get the opportunity in the morning, or I was like, he's gonna die soon. So I'm up there and does and fawns walking through. I think I had a five pointer and two different eights come walking through, and one eight and oddly dark, like a lot of the bucks down in the swamp oddly dark for that time of the year already yeah so i was like this big this decent chocolate eight pointer come walking through it one that i was like eh, you know i might i might let one fly in you know, opening day yeah so he uh he's at like 25 yards goes broadside 
and I go to draw back on him and I hit a branch with my elbow and he pegs me and takes off. So I was like, oh, this is terrible, you know? <laughs> so I'm just down in the dumps and now it's like 10 minutes before dark, you know, 10 minutes before at least I feel safe shooting. And uh, I'm just getting down. I was like, man, I'm not going to see his buck. You know, he's going to die before I even get a chance to like get eyes on him. And I was like, at least I want to, I at least want to see him, yeah. you know? So another minute goes by and I'm just turning to negative Nancy, grab my string to start tying my bow up and lower it down. And you know, you get that crunch off in the distance. You're like, Oh, it's the best you know? man. Oh, so right away. I was like, you know, pause, lift my head up. And I of like the thick patch. All I see is horns. I was like, oh, my God, it's him. <laughs> and so, like, probably 80% of the pictures I had of this buck were him walking, like, straight towards me. And the way it was set up, normally, if I have that, I'll adjust my stand. You know, if I, he has, like, a common route, I'll adjust my stand so I get a broadside shot. But yep. where I was at, this was the only location where I could put a stand. I don't know if it was, like, clear cut in the last 10 years. So there's a lot of small trees and whatnot. So um, you're doing you're doing hang-on stands? Yep. Okay. Well, it, yeah, this was a climber I had out there. And oh, I'm nice. probably only maybe 16, 17 yards up in the tree. So not super high. Yeah. Which I did on purpose in case I had to take that frontal shot, you know. Yep. More level with it. So this buck turns and starts walking towards me. And now it's like, he better present a shot soon or else I'm not going to feel safe shooting. Yeah. So another minute goes by, you know, you just got what you want, like how you want the game plan, just running through your head the whole time. You know, that final minute before you shoot, every buck's the same way, you know? Oh, yeah. So finally I was like, "Mm, I I think I'm going to make him, give him the old mat. And as soon as he picks his head up, I think I'm going to let one fly. You know, I practice this shot. I know the equipment I shoot. I should be able to like make this a lethal hit him in the vitals should be able to pull the shot off. You know, how far is all the confidence point? in the world? 17 yards ish. Oh, okay. 16, so so he's, yards. he's in on top of you already. Yeah. So finally I draw back and I, I go, man, and he picks his head up a little bit like that to look at me. And I black out at this point. Next thing I remember hearing, and it must have been him kicking his foot to the side or something. It sounded like my arrow just hit in the dirt. So I was like, right, like, worst part about this buck is I had no excitement. I got no celebration ever with it. Oh, so right away, I was like, dude, I just, I just missed this whole freaking, I just missed the buck. So I sat there, like, just sit there for a minute, and I was like, well, I guess I'll get down and go grab my arrow and call it a night, you know. And I'm like, I'm not even going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to tell my wife that I saw him and missed. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want to live with that. Yeah. I pretend it never happened. <laughs> so I go down there. <laughs> it's crazy. So I go down there and I'm looking around and I don't see my arrow anywhere. Best so news I'm ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, but I'm so negative. I'm like, well, maybe I just like bounced it off a tree and it went flying or something. 
you know. So, so I'm like, oh, see if you can find some blood, you know. So I go looking, and about six yards away from where I think I shot him, I start seeing some blood, and it is bright red. I'm oh. like, no freaking way, <laughs> dude! What a what a high and a low hunt already. I mean, oh, you had a buck come in that you were excited to shoot. You bump a branch, he spots you, takes off. This buck comes in. You think you missed him. You're well. First, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna see him. I'm gonna pack up. Then he's there. Then you think you missed him. Now you got blood, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be throwing up right now if I was you. Oh, this, it, was, it was. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a fairly negative hunter to begin with. Yeah, you know. And now this is the biggest buck of my life. So I'm like, well, maybe I probably just like scraped the shoulder or something. So, and I'm like, I know what blood looks like, you know. I've been tracking deer since I've been 10. I know what blood looks like for the most part. And uh, so, you know, I, and I just zero cell phone service. So I just start running. I'm running up this ridge to my truck, you know, flying down this trail that you probably should go over three miles per hour on. Just like repeatedly calling my wife, Caulfield, Caulfield, Caulfield. Call my wife, and I was like, "He's freaking huge!" She goes, "No way! Did you shoot him?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> so, so I, like right away, I call my brother-in-law, my uncle, and my granddaddy, and uh, all people that like know this buck, know I'm hunting him. Yeah, send them every single picture I've had of him, and uh, give them the play-by-play, and they're like, "Well, what do you think? Do you think he died?" And I was like, "I don't even know if I like." hit him i mean i hit him but i don't know to what caliber and i i said like i blacked out when i shot i don't remember seeing the arrow ever and i said but what i do remember is like when i started like the hunter instinct kicked in and when i remember i remember and i can still picture clear as day hearing that buck run through the woods yeah and i was like he sounded like he was just running through the shit yeah just not being smart about it just the death yeah run. no yeah and i remembered the like the, the, you hear the crash you know but then i heard the crash and right away being negative i'm assuming when he crashed jumped a doe up next to him or something and the door took off so like being negative i was like well that was him just kept running yeah so get home me and my wife drop our kid off at the in-laws and uh, I call my buddy, the one that was hunting nearby, him and his fiance come out, give them the rundown, and uh, go out, and we start tracking this this blood. And, you know, my buddy, and he's a very experienced hunter, too, killed lots of big bucks. Um, we're walking, we're following this blood, and for the most part, it's like, you can just walk, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like I said, it's still good blood. You know, in my opinion, lung blood. Yeah. So we're following it. And thank God, my wife is a badass woman. Thank God for her. You know, I think there was two separate times where it was like, all right, hang up the toilet paper, mark this last blood, move slow. Luckily, my wife found it both of those times. And it was only probably like between five and 10 yards away, you know, yeah. not crazy distance to the next blood. And uh, probably about after 60 yards, we start seeing, like, the puddled blood. And my buddy, like I said, built like a tank. I slap him on the gut, and I go, dude, I think we got a dead deer. 
I am not kidding. We did not move another inch. And my wife goes, he's right there. Oh, my gosh. And I I whip my flashlight, and I'm still in such disbelief. I thought it was like another hunter's doe or something. I was like, that's not my deer, you know? Yeah. And then I just turn my turn my spotlight a little bit, and I see the horns. And I just black out again. I take <laughs> off running through the woods. You know, I think I even dropped my spotlight. I just started running. Finally, I was like, you idiot, go get your deer. Yeah. So, yeah, I run back, <laughs> and, you know, you just grab the horns, and you take that moment in. And it was just like something you imagine and you manifest for so long and then you're sitting there holding holding 130 inches of horn in your hands being in the up and you're like this this is insane yeah you know even still to this day i look at my buck on the wall i got him back already and it's like i can't believe i shot that buck up here all right guys if you've been listening to the podcast i'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that i did down in texas now i went down there with rogue texan outfitters and landon and brandon the owners put us on the animals we killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air on top of that we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal to more hogs i didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me and it is to this day the most action-packed day of hunting I've ever had. I stand by what I've said in the past, and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on. In addition, they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling. So if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year, go check out roguetexan.com and book your hunt today. That that feeling, man, I wish there was a way to bottle it up. Like the videos, it's cool to see it back on video, but there's you can't describe it to somebody. Like as as much as you can say, like, dude, this is exactly how I felt, it never does it justice. No. Like you have you know, to I, experience I, it for yourself. And you wish you could just like get that high again over and over and over when you think about it. And it's like not that it diminishes every time, but like it'll never be what it was in the moment. Oh, yeah, never. You can't. I mean, luckily, the great greatest thing about the outdoors, I think, is to really enjoy the outdoors. You don't even have to be doing it. You know, you you just think about things that you've done in the outdoors, and you yep. get that feeling of almost like relaxed relaxation, achievement. You don't have to be doing it. That's one. That's one of the best things about being an outdoors enthusiast yeah yeah you could just you can just recount those those times where you've been out there even the times where you're not successful you know you might just see it or like thinking back to the first time you saw that buck on trail camera and like the feeling that you got there's i can't think of anything maybe sports can somewhat compare to it like dude you're in the championship game you know you score a touchdown you score a three-point whatever but oh yeah but the fact that you can do this year after year and everything like dude when i have ducks come in and i pop up and pull the trigger it's you get that same feeling nothing compares to big game for whatever reason i don't know why i don't know if it's like a if it's like a thing over time evolution like it's in our blood we were hunters and gatherers that when you shoot something big like big bodied lot of meat you just get a greater rush out of it but 
Well, you got you got that six by elk, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I shot a really nice elk this year. That was that was a whirlwind, man. And I wish, like I said, that I had video of it that I could bottle that up because that was way different than any anything else I've shot to this point. Because yeah, I I said from day one, I was like, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go find it the biggest elk I've shot and shoot it. And they're like, Oh, okay, whatever. And yeah, then I get out look. there and I I'm hearing bugling and it's late. Yeah. At that point it was late October. And then Man, that's it, one of the greatest noises normal. you can hear, isn't it? Oh yeah. It, but it's not normal. Like we don't hear a ton of bugling out there and there was a bull just screaming. And right away I was like, I've got to get eyes on this. All my buddies were like, do not shoot one back here. Please do not shoot one back here. And I was like, if it's the right one, I'm shooting it. And two of them failed. Two of them were like, we want nothing to do with this. They turned around and went the other way. Get out of here. And I didn't even know where the bull was yet. I knew the general area, but I hadn't laid eyes on him. And then the other guy with me, he was like, you going to go? And I was like, I'm getting up to that point right there, and I'm going to find this bull. Oh, God bless that, man. I had already seen it. I had already seen just the whale tail on it, like the back scratchers that come off and kind of angle back. Yeah. I saw that through the trees and I knew at that point that I was going to kill this bull. And so I'm like, I'm booking it to that point and I'm going to shoot this bull right now. And he's yeah. like, you are, I'm like, I'll see you up there. And I just grabbed my, I mean, I grabbed all my gear. I don't even think I packed it in my pack. I was just like carrying everything, my spotter and my binos and everything. And I'm just yeah, basically running up this hill and I get to the top and he's already, he had already moved quite a bit. And so I'm glad I moved as quick as I did. Cause when I got up there, I got to where I was about to be skylined and I just got on my belly and just started crawling, moving my pack forward, moving my rifle pack, oh, rifle, geez. pack rifle. And I get to the yeah. point where I can see him and he's just perfectly broadside 634 yards away. I think it was 634, maybe 637 either way broadside him and another bull and i'm like oh it's happening so you know take the the scope cover off get the pack down load around i'm ready to rock i get settled on my bag i'm like getting the crosshairs on him and i hear my buddy fish coming up and i'm like dude he's right here i'm about to shoot him and he's like you are i'm like just get eyes on him for me and so that (laughs) i mean I'm I'm just laying prone. I dialed my scope to 6.4, which is the equivalent of 640 yards for me, and yeah. I just rest immediately. I'm like that bull's dead. I know my equipment. I know this gun. I pull the trigger yeah. and I pull the trigger. Get back on him. See the impact. Then I hear the impact. Like a couple seconds later, I just hear uh-huh. whap. And I'm like, he's done. Oh, man. And I get back on the rifle, load another round, and I see him. And I can see both elk fully in my field of view. Neither of them had taken a step. They were still just standing broadside. The front bull was a five-by, and he was just standing normal like a healthy elk. Mine was hunched over. I mean, like... He looked like the St. Louis arch the way he was standing. And I'm like, oh, dude. Like, 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 like the look of like, he's going to drop any oh, second. Yeah. Like he could just tip over. Yeah. And, but he's standing there just kind of like you could see he was hurting and he knew it was fatal. 
but I was like, dude, I'm not taking a chance. I mean, they were on a hillside that was like 45 degrees. So like I wasn't taking a chance of him going any direction. I liked right where he was. <laughs> so I load another round and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to send one more. He's like, go for it. That was the first, a good hit on the first one. Yeah. Send the next one. And he just collapses. Like legs are completely out from under him. Oh, and man. when he dropped, I couldn't see where he was. Like, I can't remember. I think there was a tree like right in front of him and he was okay. higher up on the hill. So I could see him above the tree. And when I shot, he just disappeared, but I knew it was because he had died. But I still, mm -hmm. like, those moments, I'm like, dude, I can't see him. This other bull is just still standing there. And I'm like, dude, do you want to shoot that bull? And he's like, I can't, I can't shoot that thing with my gun. I'm like, dude, rack around in my gun. Don't even adjust anything. Just hold it on his shoulder. Yeah. And he's like, dude, we're not doing two bulls out of this. Like, we are so far back. And I was like, well, if you change your mind, he's still standing there. And he's like, no, yeah. no we got our work cut out for us. And so anyways, I oh, walked man, up on that hole and I knew like looking at him, pass that up. the problem is like, I saw him, right? I saw his antlers and I was like, he's a big bull. He's great. Whatever. I didn't look at him long enough because I didn't want to. I was like, I know this is a bull I'm going to shoot. And I know he's big. I don't want to know how big he is yet. You know? And so that oh, whole yeah. hike up, I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm about to walk up on. I have absolutely no idea. And I never did see him from the front, you know, like I never saw him head on. So I didn't know how wide he was. I could just see yeah. at least six. And I'm like, you just knew it was a shooter. Um, yeah. And I'm not the guy that's like, oh, I got to wait. I need to try to add up in my head how many inches this deer is real quick or this elk yeah. is real quick. I'm like, that thing's awesome. I'm going to shoot it. That's about as much thought as goes into it for me and so oh, yeah here. i got up to him and i was immediately like dude this is unreal fish stayed back he stayed back to try to guide me to him because i mean we were across the uh -huh. valley and uh i didn't need him to guide me to him uh like i ended up spotting right where he was as soon as i got down through the valley and or it's more of a canyon than a valley and got up to him and then the work began so I didn't get anything Not disappointed out. at all. Oh, dude, I was, <laughs> I, I still look at that picture. I still look at everything. I'm like, he's insane. And I just, I euroed him and he's, or my buddy Sean euroed him for me and he's up on the wall at my buddy's shop. And so I'm over there oh, a couple man. times a week. And every time like this week we were hanging out, like we have a guy's night. So everyone just hangs out, has a drink, has a smoke, whatever. And, yeah. We're sitting there, and one of the guys is like, dude, that bull is so big. And I just look over at him. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah. But yeah, there's no greater feeling, man. So are you itching to get back out there after elk again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be back every year. There's – Oh, I won't – that's – I. there's two hunts that I won't miss again. It's my rifle elk season in Colorado and Wisconsin whitetail. Like those are the two hunts that I do every year, and I That's always happening. Yep, yeah. There's no question. Like I won't miss. In fact, I give up the whitetail rut here in Missouri every year to go out and chase elk. Like what? That's not easy, man. Because I've got a lot of really good hunting land, and especially this year, because now I actually own land. 
And I'm like, there's going to be no greater feeling than shooting a buck on land that has my name on it. And, but dude, I, I will not miss elk season. I just won't do well, it. Hey, you need someone to come fill your, fill your spot in Missouri during the rut. <laughs> you know the guy. Hey, I got my first buck on camera this, like, not long after we got the property, I got a really nice buck. I would imagine, so he had a, he had an amazing right side, four points. I mean, a really nice right side. His left side, I don't know if he had an injury or what, but it was just kind of a funky side, real short points. It looked like... Yeah. It didn't look like he had necessarily broken them off, but I think there was some type of injury while he was growing that kept oh, his okay. left side small. But if he grows the same right side and a matching left side, he's going to be 130 to 140. And I'm shooting 130 and, to 140 all day. I know. And that's if he doesn't grow at all. So like if he's healthy and he grows them both, I mean, he could be 150, 160 inch deer. And I'm... Yeah, I, I will never pass that up. No never. matter what. But no, even, just... dude, I'd shoot that I'd shoot that deer if he looked the way he did this year. I a hundred percent would. If I see even a remotely mature buck on my property, I'm pulling the trigger. Like I'm not waiting to grow something. I want to get a deer with my name on it on my property. Yeah, you That's, gotta get that first one. Yeah, I just gotta break the seal, man. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a 160 or nothing. You got to get that first one on the property. Yeah. When when will you have uh, trail cameras put back up? Uh, well, I got one in my yard right now. We live oh, uh, nice. out in the country enough where I get some pretty nice bucks right in my yard. Oh, that's sweet. And I, I just started dabbling in trapping. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, which is a way bigger world than I thought it was. And uh, so my wife talked me into getting chickens, you yep. know, price of eggs and everything now. So we got chickens, but I got a pretty big fox situation at my house. So uh, pretty quick here, as soon as the snow melts, finally, I'm going to try to throw some footholds out and take care of them fox so they don't need our chickens. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, outside of my property here, I usually throw them back out July, I'd say. Yeah. So you're getting them once they've already sprouted quite a bit you're getting an idea of what the potential is probably going to be with your antlers yeah and this year i'm pretty excited i should i'm actually gonna apply for second season bear this year and i should get my first bear tag up in michigan heck yeah i I got that to look forward to come september also dude that's a big year man trapping bear and i mean you've got 10 bucks or nine bucks whatever you said that were over 100 inches on camera like you're gonna have a killer year this year. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm trust, trust me. It's a, you know, you hit that stage, especially once you start getting that itch. Like I said a few days ago, I was watching that hunting show and I was like, I'm ready for it. But then you just start, like I said, manifesting how you want to break down and game plan and strategize. Yep. What you do this week and this week, you know. So yeah, that's a. I've already been going through all my inventory, seeing what I need, finding all my SD cards, all of it. Dude, it's all happening, man. I can't, I can't believe we're already into spring and my mind, as much as I want it to be on, you know, fishing and crawfish trapping and turkey hunting, I'm just already counting. Well, you just got to go shoot a hog too, didn't you? 
Yeah, I just shot a bunch of hogs, actually. I went down to Texas to see our well, dog. See, that takes the itch out a little bit. It does. I And I will say, everyone that I talk to that's a hunter, they love that there's hogs. Like, they just love that there's hogs where they live. I asked multiple people, hey, if you could snap your fingers, get rid of the hog problem altogether, would you? And they say, no, they're just too fun to shoot, man. And yeah, just like when you get that itch, go shoot some hogs. Sure enough. Yeah, I haven't I haven't recapped this at all. So I'll share it quick and then we'll hop off so I can respect your time. But uh the so I went down to Texas, saw my dog, he's in training uh for for waterfowl. And yeah. the owner there, he's like, dude, get out and shoot some hogs, man. So we rode around one night with thermals in the side by side. And oh, how we were, much fun was that? We were looking, oh. we didn't see any. And so I was like, all right, hopefully, hopefully we see him. Um, we yep. never did. So then the next morning, he's like, hey, man, did you wake up this morning and go out? And I was like, no, I didn't. So then the next morning, he's like, did you wake up and go out? And I was like, no, I didn't. Well, then we were to the final night there. And I was like, man, I'm going to get up in the morning and go. Forgot to set my alarm. But because we were staying at their house, our daughter was in the bed with us. And she mm-hmm. moved or did something, and it woke me up. And as soon as she, as soon as I woke up, I was like, oh dude, it's time to go out and hunt. So I get up, go down there. He's like, Hey, here's the rifle. Here's the keys to the side by side. This is where yeah. you need to go. And so I went out there and he's like, dude, they're going to be there at seven 30. They always come in at seven 30. I've got cell cams. That's when they're going to be there. So just get out there seven 15 and be, be set up and ready. So I'm walking towards the feeder that he's got a camera on at 710 and I look up and I can see it like 150 yards down this lane and him and his son both told me they're like hey go get set up at like 50 60 yards here's a tripod here's a chair you know just sit there and wait for him to show up yeah I'm walking I'm 20 minutes early of when they're supposed to be there and I look up and here's a pig and another one and another one and another one and just like I don't even know how many there were because like they, they spanned across the whole shooting lane. And so I'm like, crap, yeah. dude, like they're there early. I was supposed to be way close, like a hundred yards closer and set up. This is his gun. I've never shot it before. Hopefully it's on. Yeah. And so anyways, I just, I was like, I'm going to try to get closer. Well, as I started to move, I felt the wind hit the back of my neck and I was like, no, I got to just, yeah. I got to oh, make here it we happen. Go. So I just get down, set the sticks up, pull the trigger. And yeah, I shot a pretty big sow. Had to load that in the side-by-side by myself, which was not easy. I was like, I tried to just hold oh, it. How do you think? 200, 200 pounds, probably. Maybe, maybe yeah. a little, it could have been a little bit more, a little bit less. But I mean, to the point where like, I went to pick it up by the legs and it just wasn't. I was like, dude, I'm going to get just covered in blood. Like, I'd rather just throw it in the back and go. So I, I grab it by all four legs, and I swing around like I'm swinging my kids out in front of me, right? And I swing oh, sure. it around, and I, like, try to hoist it up, and I get, like, the back half on, and I'm, like, go to get the rest of it on, and the back half falls out. And I did that twice, and then finally I got it to where I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to give it everything I got. And so I lifted it up and then I had to like lift with my knee, like hoist it with my knee and finally made it up there. 
So did that one. Then a bunch of guys from the podcast network were going to go down to Oklahoma and hunt. And they're like, dude, you going to come? You going to come? I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm just getting back or I will just be getting back from this other trip. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be worth it. So we got back to Missouri at like 8 p.m. that night. And the crappy part is we had driven like an hour from where they were all hunting in Oklahoma. But it's five hours from where we live, but I've got the wife and kids okay. with. And so I'm yeah. like, so we get back. I was like, ah, I think I'm going to head out right when we get back. We get back. I decide not to. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. So I go to guys night instead. We all get together. Like I said, Thursday nights. Yeah. I'm up late. I'm talking. I don't think I got home till like 2 a.m. And I wake up the next morning and I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Oklahoma. And my wife's like, you are? You're heading out? I said, yep. I'm going to grab my gear and head out. She's like, okay. So I leave. Your wife's got to be just an angel, hey? Oh, she's, well, it did help that the kids were at her mom's house. So she's like, oh, I'm just going to be knocking out work. I mean, she's like, her passion is as passionate as I am about hunting. She's as passionate about building businesses. Like, she'll just like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then it's extremely successful. So I was like, I'm going to head out. She's like, she's like, go for it. So I, I take off, I get down there. In the afternoon, they're like, dude, we're glad you made it. You know, you got an hour and a half and we're heading out to the blinds. And I'm like, okay, give me a breakdown. What's happening? Like, how are we hunting? What's going on? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I've hunted a lot of different pigs and it's always different. Like the way that we hunt them. And they're like, this is how it goes. We got a deer feeder. I've got a 30 by 30 hog panel, like enclosure around it. Okay. So that they normally can't get in, but in preparation for you guys coming to hunt, I opened up like a one foot gap. So now they can get in, but huh. once you start shooting, they all have to bottleneck to get back out. And I'm like, oh, oh that's man. pretty creative, dude. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is wild. This is gonna be insane. He's like, you know, it's anybody's guess where they come to. There's pigs everywhere, but like they might come yeah. to yours, they might come to his, they might come to mine. And we've got four different guys out there. So we're sitting there. Everyone's messaging each other. Hey, I got deer in at the feeder. You know, deer aren't in season, whatever. Oh, I got three raccoons at the feeder. Oh, I'm seeing this. I just saw four coyotes across the field. And I mean, like, we're seeing animals everywhere. Meanwhile, I'm not seeing anything. I can hear that there's pigs in the cover, like maybe 200 yards away. I keep hearing squealing. And then all of a sudden I see movement and it's a freaking raccoon. And it comes in and it's just picking up all the corn, just like picking it up, popping it in its mouth. And I'm like, dude, I want to shoot this thing so bad, but I don't want to ruin a chance (laughs) of pigs. And so it's there for 45 minutes to an hour just eating. And I'm the whole time I'm like, I want to shoot this thing. The temptation is getting higher and and it's just getting worse and worse. And all of a sudden, man, I hear a stampede. It sounds like it sounds like someone is raking. It sounds like there's 20 people raking the leaves in the woods all the way across this field in the woods. I just hear like, wow. And it's just pig, 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 just all pouring out of this woodlot. And they come straight to the feeder. There's a tree out in the middle of this field that they went behind and then under, like the trail goes a foot away from the trunk of it. So as they're behind that, I get my rifle set up. I'm just like, 
my heart's pounding out of my chest and they all get to the fence and they split and they kind of go around the fence. And I'm like, Oh no, they don't know that that gap is there. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden this one little pig comes through the gap and then another one and another one and another one. And before I know it, there's 10 pigs at like nine yards in front of me. Yeah. And And you know what they're going to do. And I know what they're going to do. So I was going to wait and let all of them. And as like the first 20 pigs get to the fence, I'm like, dude, I, I hope all of them get in. Well, then I look and there's another dozen still coming. And the biggest sow that came into the fence got spooked immediately. Like didn't, I could tell she didn't know what was going on because she didn't look like straight yeah. at me or anything, but she just stopped and froze. And I was like, like oh, this ain't right. And I was just keeping my eye on her because I knew that if anybody blew out of there, it was going to be her. And all of a sudden she picks mm. her heads up or picks her head up and turns it towards me, but not looking up at me. And then just does a like a grunt and turns around. And when she did that grunt, every pig started following her. And so I was like, crap, you know, I've got 10 pigs in here. 20 more outside of it. If all 30 of them would have come in, it would have just been like, oh, man, it would have been ridiculous. Yeah. So anyways, I shot her right away, just held it at that gap as they were all funneling and just like pop, 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 unloaded. And there's pigs scattered everywhere, like all over in the field. So I'm like now trying oh. to pick those off. And my yeah. buddies were like, dude, it sounded like 4th of July, man. It was just insane so down down baghdad yeah and so anyways i ended up getting four right there and then there were more i think out in the woods but at the down in texas man it's eradication so like we we grabbed those four uh cleaned them my buddies put them in their coolers took them home i said dude i've got more meat than i can handle i came out to help with the pig problem you know so they took it all home and ate it that night we went out with thermals and shot there was I don't even know how many pigs we saw that night, like big boars all by themselves. Really? The field. And then we'd get closer, set up the thermals. You'd shoot. And like my buddy was shooting and I didn't have any thermals to look through at that point. So he's shooting and I hear whack, whack, whack. And I mean, you can hear the hits and those pigs are so tough, man. Like we didn't find that one. We didn't find another big boar, but like they're dead somewhere. And so problem solved right oh, man. it was I it was get myself down there and give that a try it is insane it was a ton of fun so anyways i'm gonna stop rambling i'm gonna let you go but before i do why don't you share with people where they can find you where they can follow your journey see some pictures of your monster last year and uh hopefully some some bear pictures this fall hey absolutely man so uh Instagram, I have uh, been kind of slow on, just been busy with uh, working and whatnot lately, but Instagram is just uh, Sean underscore dot Larson. TikTok, I post on pretty frequently. That's Sean underscore Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N, and uh, same with Facebook, Sean Larson. Um, you see on there, 22 Drek. It's uh, kind of my media production page, um, and I'll be getting, uh, especially once the season start ramping up, I'll be posting a lot on there also, kind of what's nice. going on and what I'm doing daily. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you hopping on. Congrats on the success this year, and hopefully there's more to come this coming season. Hey, sounds good, Dan. Hey, I appreciate you having me on here, and I uh, look forward to seeing some more of your adventures also. 